The Digital Gumbo Podcast contains language that some may find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Well, now we're done with that shit. Let's start the show. For the victory lap, though. Whoa, whoa. They ain't never seen nothing like this before. Lit the room when I came through the front door. To the listeners here in the United States and around the world, thank you so much for joining us here in the Situation Room. I'm Nook Blitzer, sitting in tonight for Nookie Vision on vacation. We're coming to you live from the Digital Gumbo Podcast News Network Center here in Gary, Indiana. As always, our correspondents, T. Petty and Adrice Elbow, are here to give you the take on today's roundtable discussion items. Why the hell are you and Gary? (laughs) I'm Nook Our first item tonight, the Karen Act, C-A-R-E-N, or the Caution Against Racially Exploitative Non-Emergencies Act, introduced in San Francisco, which can fine a Karen up to $10,000 through court action for calling the police on a person based upon their ethnicity, a sexual orientation, and other fake 911 calls. T. Petty, your thoughts on the Karen Act, C-A-R-E-N, for these Karens, K-A-R-E-N-S. All right, so y'all have known me for a long time. And I'm just going to tell you this. If these Karens are going to call the police on me, I'm going to give you a reason. I'm just going to beat your ass. And then you have a reason to call the police. I'm not about to do all this jaw jacking and recording. You cough on me. You spit on me. You question me about why I'm in your fuck ass neighborhood. Then we just going to fight and go ahead and call the police. Like, yeah, I beat your ass. And I felt like it was justified. Like, you can't legislate the caucasity out of these bitches. You just can't. So they need to be facing some other kind of consequences. Adriselle, I'm sorry, Adriselle uh Dateline San Francisco, the Karen Act. Your thoughts? Uh, thank you, <laughs> Nook Blitzer. This is my first time being <laughs> on the Nook Blitzer show. But like, when you think about Karens, the thing that it, this worries me about this act is that it may help to galvanize all the Karens together. Like right now, they they're like operating as like um, you know independent kind of Karens, like oh, doing their yeah, stuff, Karen and their stuff. But, but yeah, they, exactly, exactly. How you say it? Say it again, T. Patty. They're gonna form what? Everybody knows about Voltron in our generation. But what did you just call them? Like a Volk Volk Karen? <laughs> like they're gonna form that. And then they're going to be a, a super voting block for Trump. And, and seriously, Nook Blitzer, they, they was talking about this. It's like white women now, they, they like so worried that like people calling them on their races and, and all the, they Karens that they might start to feel threatened and might just continue to stick with Trump. Not like swing to him because they was already there. They might just stick with him and not decide to vote against him because they feel like they under threat. So that's, that's the thing about the Karen Act. They've already done that, though. 53% of those hoes voted for him in 2016. 
they have already proven what they're about. And so then we need to address them accordingly. Yeah, but like a lot of people saying, like, they need to switch. They need to swing back over if you're going to win. They ain't, they, ain't, they ain't swinging. They ain't moving nothing. They're not moving. So focus your energies on people who are actually inclined to already vote for you, not these racist motherfuckers. Like, fuck them. I agree with you, T. Petty. All right. Also on the Karen and Chad report, we have uh, Amy Cooper charged with filing a false police report in New York City. There was Target Karen who went ape shit in Scottsdale, Arizona, turning over masks, saying she was something called QAnon, and also Costco Chad in Florida, Fort Myers, who got up in someone's face because they asked him to wear a mask. We'll have more on that ahead. We're going to move now to our money report. Adrice, Chuck E. Cheese, and the Brooks Brothers have filed for bankruptcy. Our non-grocery brick-and-mortar stores under fire. And also, what is the number one item you've purchased during the pandemic? Adrice Elbow. Now, you know it is bad out here in these streets when the Brooks Brothers say we filing for bankruptcy. And yeah, you know, Chuck E. Cheese, like, they tried to sell that, like, you know, pizza. They tried to upscale their pizza. <laughs> the Pasquale's pizza. <laughs> yes. And you know it was going down when you say, like, hey, man, we, we, we going down. We got to figure out some way to do this. What if we upsell this pizza, call it Pasquale's, and then charge premium for it? Like, it's over. You might as well say it's, it's, it's over. It's done for. So, like, that, it's just the state of the economy. Um, businesses um, go out of business all the time. And because you've been around for 100 years or, 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 or five years, it doesn't guarantee that you got a future when it comes to business. T. Petty, your thoughts on Brooks Brothers, Chuck E. Cheese, and bricks and mortar stores? Well, filing bankruptcy does not mean that you're going to go out of business. Brooks Brothers will be just fucking fine. And even if they're not, so what? It's plenty of places for Chad to go and buy their little preppy khakis and polo shirts and blazers. Whatever. Like, I don't care. Although I have purchased a, uh, a seersucker suit <laughs> from Brooks Brothers. So they'll be fine. I don't really care. It, whatever. And you know, T-Petty, you, you make an excellent point there. Because even like, you know, it, it is like you is gaming the system when you come up with a law called bankruptcy. It's <laughs> just when I tell people I ain't got no money and I can't pay you. But I really and got like, money. <laughs> but I really got money. But I'm not going to I'm not going to give it to you. And that's that's like a law. <laughs> They're just going to restructure their debt and they'll be fine. They just have to figure out how to move in the age of the Rona. Because Chad's and them are not about to start stop buying khakis and those little shirts with the little emblem over the breast. They're not. You're listening to The Situation Room. I'm your host, Nook Blitzer. Did you say The Situation? The Situation Room. I'm Nook Blitzer, sitting in for Nookie Bishop Jr. We're going to move to NASCAR. Driver Corey LaJoy has a Trump 2020 Cheeto 45 emblem on his car. He started in Indianapolis, completed 16 laps, crashed, and was dumb for the day. He finished 39th. Also, Cheeto tweeted out that Bubba should apologize for the noose hoax and said that the flag should come back, and that's why NASCAR's ratings were dropping. T. Petty, your thoughts on Cheeto and Corey LaJoy finishing 39th. Uh, 39th out of how many? No. 39. 
I don't know that I need to add any more thoughts about his loser ass coming in dead last. As far as uh, Mango Mussolini demanding an apology from our boy Bubba, I think his response was quite excellent. Um, basically, he was like, fuck you and the tanning booth that you came from. Like, I just, all he's doing is what he's always done. He's desperate at this point because he's behind in the polls which we should ignore, vote like Joe Biden is behind. Um, But the coverage has been negative. He's had a series of disasters, I mean, more than usual over the past several months. So he's just throwing out the shit to his base that works with the base. So we just need to ignore the distractions and focus on our focus. Um, And Bubba, his response was the right thing. We should follow his lead. Also, fuck Trump. Adris, your thoughts? Uh, looks like Corey LaJoy did about as well as Ray Cicerelli, who has zero wins <laughs> in the truck series for his entire whole damn NASCAR career. Uh, Adris, your thoughts? I think that was a perfect symbol for the Trump presidency. It's been a car crash ever since, you know, Cheeto 45 came into office. So it was just representing what he stood for in the Trump campaign is going to be a, a car wreck as well. And you know, like when you watch NASCAR, like I'm going to tell you, the only people, only reason people watch NASCAR is for the crashes. It's for the crashes. That's what people go there for. I worked in NASCAR and people like, they, they look at those cars go around the track, but then they are fascinated by the crashes. And so like, that's exactly what the president is. He's a car crash. And in NASCAR, you see what happened, crash the car. And the thing with, like, Bubba, like, I want to say this. I am glad that they brought that up and they investigated that news. And they found out that it was was already hanging there. It had been hanging there for whatever, a couple years. But for me, what it represented was, like, that's how black people are on guard all the time, right? Like, it's like we are bombarded by, like, racist acts and it is like you would see something like a, a noose there. And it wasn't Bubba. It was like the people around him. It's like, what is that thing? And I'm glad they're like that now. I want, I want white people. I want everybody to be on notice where you're looking for that. Because we know it exists. It's out there. We saw it in George Floyd. We saw it in these uh, other cases of killing a black man. It raises his head. And you see it and you say, there it is right there. But we need to be looking for it all the time in all areas, in all arenas, and we need allies to look at that. So I'm glad they investigated that. And I don't see it as, as something that w- was wrong. It's something that needs to be investigated. You investigate it, you find out what happened. So for, for me, I, I, I don't have any problem with that. All right, we're going to switch gears now. This one's for the culture. The United States Postal Service has issued a set of four stamps that uh, honor hip-hop. They have the B-Boy. They have the DJ. They have the MC and they have the graffiti artist. Your thoughts, Adris Elbow on the USPS issuing Hip Hop Forever stamps. You gotta give it up to the elements of hip hop that they kind of define the culture and American culture. If you kind of think about that, like hip hop is in everything and has influenced American culture. Yes, it should be on a stamp. It should be represented. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the ways that we kind of recognize those um, great achievements and movements um, in American culture. And a lot of that has come from black people and hip hop is no exception. And so I'm glad it's made into the stamp. It's about time. 
T. Petty, your thoughts on the stamps? I would agree with that. When you think about the makeup of the employees of the Postal Service, they're majority Black. So why wouldn't you have a hip-hop stamp? I'm all for it. Who's going to be on these stamps, though? Like, don't be having no whack-ass people. I need some real people like Ice Cube, Dre, Tribe Called Quest. Uh, let's see. Who else I want? Big Daddy. Wu-Tang. Yeah. Wu-Tang. That's like 59 stamps right there if you get one to every member. <laughs> Perhaps the United States Postal Service will consider them in the future, but for right now, they're sort of a 3D-ish figure. And again, one is the MC, one is the DJ, one is the B-boy, and the other one is a lady graffiti artist. So buy those stamps. The original elements of hip-hop. Hip-hop culture. I bust. I want to say I want to bust a funky rhyme right now. This is Nook Blitzer on the Digital Gumbo Podcast. I'm Nook Blitzer. I'm here to say I come with the funky fresh stories every day. I'm not poor and I got dough. You're listening to me right here on the Digital Gumbo. World. Ooh, that was fire. Nook fire. Blitzer. That was come fire. on with the hot 16. All right. All right, we're going to go now into the animal report. There have been reports in Houston for quite a few years, but a video has surfaced of thousands and thousands of birds circling parking lots and other flat surfaces called grackles, straight grackling. Your thoughts on these videos of thousands and thousands of birds in the Houston area, Chief Eddie. Um, so I saw that video of the grackles. Y'all know I don't fuck with nature. And so when I saw those damn birds descending, like out of whatever portal they came from, I was like, this has affirmed my decision to stay inside my urban domicile and away from nature. Who knows what their next steps were? I watched the birds by Alfred Hitchcock. Like, I don't fuck around. So everybody should just, you know, be safe, stay away from the Rona and the birds because shit is not safe out here in these 2020 streets. It's just not. Adrice Elbow up in these streets, there's the Baltimore Ravens and the Baltimore Orioles. However, we're talking about grackles in Houston. Adrice. What the hell is a grackle? Now, you, you know, you better not hang around or stay outside if you see a block of a, a flock of birds and it's called a grackle now i heard of robins i heard of ravens i heard of, you know orioles all that but i ain't never heard of no grackle a grackle is a black bird it appears to have yellowish eyes and apparently it is scaring the shit out of residents in houston are you saying a grackle is a black person that's gotten high no, no, a grackle is a bird. Let's, let's not get it twisted. I mean, you said yellow eyes. I'm just trying to get some clarification. We does, have, this, does this bird have, like, hepatitis? Like, <laughs> a, a grackle? A grackle with yellow eyes. We'll have to get... Uh, we'll that sounds like talk, a demon bird. We'll have to talk to the Audubon Society and see what they're talking about. You're listening <laughs> to the Digital Gumbo Podcast. I'm here at the situation. I am Nook Blitzer. And we have one more animal story. T. Petty is with us, as is Adrice Elbow. Sex addict monkey attack in India. Monkeys have taken over and abandoned- Wait, we, we, we back to monkeys. <laughs> we Sir, always, everything always come back to these monkeys. This is a situation room. Again, sex addicted monkeys have taken over an abandoned theater in India. 
what was left there was junk food and other concessions. The monkeys got addicted to the junk food, moved out of their theater, and began attacking people on the streets. Idris Elwell, your thoughts about these sex-addicted, junk food-addicted monkeys attacking folks on the streets of India? Well, I think it says a lot about the film industry. <laughs> if all your movie theaters is that <laughs> empty, that they've been overrun by monkeys, and they and of course they're gonna attack people. If you binging on movie theater junk food, do you know how much a tub of popcorn costs and some goobles? I'd be mad too. I want to attack people after I I go to the concession stand in the movie theater. So I know a monkey who ain't got no money. You know they're gonna be pretty upset. So I can, I can see how they can get addicted to food and then attack people. T. Petty, we know that you love these monkey stories from India. Your thoughts on these sex-addicted monkeys attacking people around the way in India? Well, were they attacking people because they were out of snacks or because they wouldn't have sex? I Both. mean, if it's this whole troop of monkeys, why weren't they having sex with each other? Were they having sex with people? You know what? Y'all have taken me too far down this whole animal path. I told y'all I do not fuck with nature. So I don't know why y'all forced me to talk about animals every single week. We'll have to talk but that's to a our- good question, T-Petty, though. It's like, it's like, was they, like, having sex with other monkeys or, like, trying to have sex with people? Well, that's, clearly that's not, question. because if they have taken over the movie theater, it's a whole rack of them in there going through the concession stand, eating the popcorn, eating the goobers and the Sour Patch Kids, they should have been fucking each other. Instead, they mad, and so they head out to the streets. Well, at least they didn't murder nobody this time like the last monkey we talked about. One last hey, night. Hey, if, if it get, comes down to being sexually attacked by a monkey or killed by a monkey, that's, that's, that's a hard choice. I don't, I don't know which one I would go with. Ah... Uh... We'll have to talk more with our correspondents in India. We're going to move on to our last subject for the day, the disease report. Dateline, Philadelphia. Philadelphians have taken to cleaning out dumpsters, putting a plastic tarp or lining in them, filling it up with water, and using the dumpster as, that's right, a pool. Keeping cool in the pool in Philadelphia in a dumpster. T. Petty, your thoughts? They can't just fill up a bathtub? Why are you going inside a filthy-ass dumpster? You know what? Just cancel this year altogether. People have lost their goddamn eyes. That don't even make no sense. Adris Elbow, your thoughts? Now, on the surface, it seems like, okay, this big container, you can line with plastic, and you put a lot of water in it, and you can actually kind of, you know, dive into the pool, and it's a big, deep pool, but we still in the age of Rona. Why you need a pool that big for a bunch of people to dive in? That's why the Rona is spreading like that. Like T. Petty said, it's okay if you want to cool off, you want to be in some water, get in the, ba- in the bathtub. Or even like you can even take like, you know, some, some other smaller container that just fits one person. But if you do a big trash can or a dumpster, that's a lot of people. That means everybody getting in there at the same time. Nat, it's a dumpster. What the fuck? Oh, yeah, and it's just a dumpster. That's nasty. <laughs> oh, what's up, y'all? Man, I got kidnapped. What What happened? What? Welcome back, Nookie. Y'all all right? 
Well, yeah. you would never believe this. We got to tell you this later, but like it's, it's a whole thing with the Situation Room and Gary, Indiana, and you know, a guy named Nook Blitzer. So. Yeah, Nook. Somebody named Nook. I got kidnapped and I had a bad dream, something about the Midwest. And oh man, all right, well. Did hey, the monkeys kidnap you? No, I did not see any monkeys, thank <laughs> God. So I didn't get to India. I ain't got coin like that. So we're all good. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Underrated, underrated, we the underdogs, underestimated, yeah. Underrated, underrated, we the underdogs, underestimated, we the ones. Out of the darkness, I rose up. Golden my soul, it's a gold rush. Yeah, yeah. Honor and freedom, my toast up. Kicking game on the snare drum. Hard on the beat, let it bleed out like sacrifices. Cut it open, emotions. Spilling like oil and coasting. There are people, my mental, I'm pinning up. All right, listen, y'all. This is a monumental moment for us here at the Digital Gumbo Podcast. We have on the line our first guest ever on the Digital Gumbo Podcast. What up, He's what a up? friend of ours, Pod Strickland. Welcome to the Digital Gumbo Podcast, brother. Thank you, thank you very much, family. Great to be with y'all. Been checking out all 16 of your episodes. want to say what's up to the world. My name is Pod Strickland, the People's Point Guard. And I can't tell how honored I am to be with my main man, Idris Elbow. A little ash on the elbow is a great name. My wife loves your name. Nookie, you've been holding it down with the hosting skills. And, of course, T-Petty, what can I say? You, everybody's favorite revolutionary, put fist in the air sister. So <laughs> you would, what you all want to be. So thank you for having uh, me. What's up? Good to have you, Pot. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming in, man. So give us a 15 to 30-second sort of um, elevator speech about who Pod Strickland, the people's point guard, is. Native of New York City, that's where the Pod Strickland thing comes from. Anybody knows anything about New York basketball? My main man was Rod Strickland from the Bronx, so I thought I'd honor him with a little bit of love in the 21st century. People's point guard, I have to admit, I actually wasn't a baller, but I was an activist growing up, and so I take the people's point guard because I was always leading the fight, leading the struggle. And so I take the, the people's point guard point of view is that that's my my love for my, my community is I, I'm the point guard of, of activism, journalism, filmmaking, everything's black. So that's where I get my name from. Um, I live in the, in the mid Atlantic right now, lived all over the country, lived in DC. I've lived in Oakland. I've lived in Los Angeles, lived in North Carolina, lived in Ohio. So I got a global national perspective on the issues that y'all talk about. So I can't wait to get into it. All right, man, let's go ahead. We're going to roll into it. We'll get to the news a little bit later in the items, but Black History was made this week. Pat Mahomes, the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, signed the richest deal in team sports history, a deal 10 years, which has the potential to earn him half a billion, 503 to $504 million. Pod, what's your thoughts on that? Well, first, let's take a step back. Could we, I mean, would anybody have imagined five years ago that a that the face of the league would be would, someone who's probably going to be the best quarterback in NFL history, Mr. Mr. Pat Mahomes, as the brothers used to call him? So um, I got to start with the obvious. I mean, everybody's been talking about the $5 billion. Everyone's talking about the money and whether he took them too less or took too, too much or the whole thing. But my take on it is this. This guy obviously made an obvious decision to want to give back to the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. One of the things that people don't understand is what he's doing here is that he wants to be with the team for 10 years. 
he wants to go ahead and be the man for the Chiefs. But he's also saying, I'm going to give you guys some certainty as to what my salary is going to be so you can get and build a team around me. He wants to be the best uh, quarterback in NFL history, but the only way you can be the best quarterback in NFL history is if you win Super Bowls. But you can only win Super Bowls if you have players around him. So he's taking less money in order to for the Chiefs to be able to build around him. And a lot of people haven't been talking about that. And one of the, you know one of the things you hear about Tom Brady all the time is that oh Brady took less money here, he took less money there, so the Patriots could be the best. I haven't heard one really person say yo. Pat Mahomes is taking less money so he can be an NFL championship champion going 10 years out the line. And I just want to give him props for that. So the money is great. The half a billion dollars is great. We all love that. But at the same time, he's making a calculated effort to be a team player. And you don't hear a lot about that from black quarterbacks or the way in which people see black players. And so that's the number one thing that comes to mind for me is his ability to want to be a team player, but also make a legendary big statement about that a black quarterback can be the highest played player in American team sports. Absolutely. He's 24. He could very well live out uh, to the letter of the contract and earn all 503, $504 million over the 10 years. He's only 24 and a lot of uh, pieces that they have around him uh, with the Kansas city chiefs who won the super bowl uh, are in their twenties as well. So uh, this looks very fortunate for Kansas city. They won that super bowl. They had a taste of that a taste of winning, and it uh, looks like they're uh, setting up for the, for the long term. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how that uh, goes out. Uh, Pop, we're going to switch up. Sports are supposed to be coming back. Uh, Major League Baseball teams are getting warmed up for their 60-game season. The bubble is open for the NBA in Orlando. Um, football teams are preparing, and we'll see how it goes. And, and hockey is also supposed to come back with the uh, Stanley Cup uh, tournament. Just your thought on whether you think any of these – seasons are going to last these postseasons or these regular seasons and and how uh the coronavirus is running rampant with our sports did you just say hockey hockey is coming back they will have a, a postseason okay. tournament okay and um they're, I, didn't they're gonna... I, I didn't know you all talked about hockey on this podcast oh yeah oh yeah absolutely all right, all right. i know some brothers in the, in the sport but just wondering anyway so i gotta say i'm one of these people that was really, really encouraged by what Adam Silver had done. I thought the 22 teams that he had asked to come to down to Orlando was a little aggressive. He probably needed to start up with the 16 and all that. But um, I'm actually not all that optimistic anymore. Um, if you, I don't know if you all know that the, the, the MLS, the, the American Soccer Indoor Soccer League, mm-hmm. um, has there are a couple of teams that actually are not even showing up because right. too many of their players – um, have contracted the coronavirus. So that's not a good sign, number one. They're supposed, they're supposed to be in, they're in Orlando right now. So that's not a good sign for the NBA. Um, I think there's probably some embedded um, uh, time that folks have said, okay, we're probably going to have to stop. We're probably going to take some pauses here or there. But ultimately, it doesn't really actually matter when you stop. It's really when you end. I mean, that's sort of my thinking about it. They have as much time as they, as they want to play with things. If they want to stop for a little bit, take a pause, because there's been an outbreak, they can come back. But I think they've built some of that into um, the actual season. So, you know, they can give themselves some, um, some flexibility. But I got to tell you, I am not optimistic about the NBA right now. I mean, already, um, you know, it's a relatively high percent, you know, much more higher than the baseball uh, fellows who have been tested for coronavirus. There's only 2% of baseball players that have been tested, uh, tested positive for corona. Basketball is a little bit higher than that. Um, you know, I'm definitely worried about the fact that you're going to have people from Orlando who are cleaning and doing food service coming into the bubble and then leaving. 
um, and potentially bringing, uh, you know, getting infected and bring it into the bubble. Um, so there isn't a seal that way, which I think they need to rethink a little bit. So I'm definitely concerned about that. Um, you know, the, the NHL has the same problems that they have so many teams. I think like eighty percent of the teams, I think, in the NHL league are going to be uh, playing in this tournament. When you have more teams, that means you have more chances for infection. Yeah. And so I think, you know, being over aggressive obviously for money, obviously for, you know, the television contracts that they owe money to. Um, that's the only reason why they have so many teams. Um, that's going to cause some serious problems for both of those leaves, I think. And then the NFL, I mean, I know they thought they were in the catbird seat back in February when their season was over and all these other teams have to stop in mid-March. But um, between the NFL and college football, there's, there's going to be a real, real, um, some hand-wringing about what to do, whether they need to start on time, I think football, you know, which is probably the worst sport to have a coronavirus outbreak in because you've got huddles and players and guys jumping up on one another and tackling and all that stuff. It's 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 just a, an accident waiting to happen. So I think the worst is, I think, yet to come when it comes to our sports leagues when we, we start making decisions on football. Yeah. Um, so it's, not, it's ironic that the Washington Redskins are about to change the name and there's not going to be anybody in the stands or we might even not have a season. So go figure. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to to see uh, how this uh, comes about. So uh, we'll we'll keep our eye on that. Are wait we going to sh- wait a minute? Wait a minute. <laughs> Did y'all see the meals that they're serving to the NBA players down in the bubble? Worse than summer camp. I did. Who the hell can play basketball eating that bullshit? That's not going to happen. And why would you choose to go to the hot spot for the Rona to mm-hmm. have this bubble? The bubble is affected. Like, let's just cease and desist and figure out something else to do. And I say this as someone who loves basketball, and I was, I am bereft without it. But let's be clear, this shit is not going to work. Yeah, the mouse runs the house. You know, Disney owns uh, ESPN, and that's one of the uh, major uh, television, um, you know, programming that they have on ESPN. So it's going to be very interesting to see and see what they have as far as backup programming is concerned if that comes to pass. All right, well, I can, I can understand, like, you know, baseball, right? Like, you, you actually have social distancing in baseball, right? You know, right. I know teams get together in the dugout, whatever, but, you know, when you're out on the field, right, like you are distanced and you're spread apart, I can see that. That makes sense. But basketball, Mm-mm. you know, you know, like teams running up and down the court together, sweating, breathing on one another, like um, blowing, blowing in, in people's ears. Wait, like, what? You, you remember that? Did that. <laughs> you, I know, but I'm saying, look, pot, pot Strickland, it happened. <laughs> so the fact that it happened, that means it can it can take place again. Lance, Lance out the league, bro. Lance out the league. I know, but like, like he might have some followers that might catch <laughs> on to that. You can, but you blowing all those particles around, breathing, breathing on each other. You know, it's it's harder with base with um with basketball versus baseball. I mean, baseball is football though, Idris. All that spitting that they do and yeah, well, football is bad because you pile on each other. But at least you got protective equipment, right? You can actually put face shields on, like you know, football helmets. Not that it's gonna prevent it, That's you know, because you climbing on top of people, right? But like basketball, it's just like everything is open and you right there. It's like how you gonna defend somebody from like six feet, six feet you away? You can't. I no. know exactly. You can't do that. You, you gotta be right there. Well, you could if it's Ben Simmons because he can't. <laughs> <laughs> but you got 53 players on a football team, so 
you know, you got you to ensure that all those people are somehow corona-free. Uh, that's a good point, Pod Strickland. You're right. That's a lot of people. Just shut it all down. The coaches, you got three coaches for, for every portion of the of football team. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it works. And yeah. training camp is supposed to start in three weeks. Yeah. The more moving parts is going to be uh, very, very challenging. So, again, hey, I remember like uh, how they used to like um, use those Gatorades and they used to squeeze it in people's mouths. Like, in a, you know, mm-hmm. when they take a break in between, they used to have that like carry of Gatorade bottles. They and like you know, just squeeze it out. Like I, I, I don't see how you do that. I mean, it was nasty before the Rona. Let's be clear, and it's even nastier now, and potentially deadly. But you know, capitalism. So let's sacrifice a few lives. Everything will be fine. Vicious capitalism. You listen to the Digital Gumbo Podcast. Our special guest today is Pod Strickland, the People's Point Guard. So my girl to pipe down, need it right now Lately I've been going so the lights out Got my face up and my eyes down Shorty now you know what this is like now Now I got a big drop top and I'm rolling And I told my girl I'ma be up till the morning Okay, Pat, I'm going to uh, triple stack uh, some items for you and get your reactions on this. Uh, obviously, we haven't uh, had a chance uh, to talk since uh, the Black Lives Matter protests uh, have been going on worldwide. That's uh, literal, um, uh, especially in the aftermath of uh, the murder and lynching of uh, George Floyd. Also, uh, defund the police. Those movements have been taking place across the country. And we've seen um, a number of statues, Confederate and other statues, including the Christopher Columbus statue in um, Baltimore, which bit the dust uh, this past weekend. So just your thoughts on everything that you've been seeing in the streets and, you know, folks you've been talking to in terms of Black Lives Matter, defunding the police, and also these uh, statues uh, continuing to crumble and fall. Well, as for the statues, I mean, what can I say? I mean, this is, it should have, I mean, we all know the history of the statues. They were never there, you know, to really commemorate those individuals. It's all about, you know, white supremacy in, in the early 20th century as a way of intimidating black folks in the South. So let's be real about what they're there for. They're always propaganda. And there are always ways of specifically speaking to black folks in, the, in Southern communities as a way of terrorizing them uh, you know, during the, the rise of the Ku Klux Klan in the early 20th century. So mm-hmm. they never had any place in American history. And I'm, I'm, it's like, it's almost a thing with the Red, it's like the Redskins. It's like, what have we, what's been taking us so long? I mean, you know, this is how things work in America. We're all grumbling for a while. We know that things got to change and something is just a spark and things come crumbling down. And that's the way it's got to be. That's the way it's got to be. You know, finally it's happening. And so I'm heartened that you know, a younger generation who, you know, these 20 year olds and 30 year olds and, you know, led by some older folks like us are getting out there and finally saying enough's enough. Um, so what can you say, but it's about time. It's been going on for a while. We know they were there. We know that there are racist and, you know, icons that were put there for a specific purpose. We've known that for years, but finally, you know, it, it takes little things like, you know, seeing what the, the lynching and the murder of, of black men sometimes to get people way out of their skin where there's unequivocally no, doubt about what happened there's no you know well maybe he we didn't see it or well he was coming at me nah uh nah people done with that so i think you know as it relates to uh the uh statues you know it's about time and i'm glad we finally got into it so there you go as for blm i mean this is a long time coming i mean i hate to sound like a you know older dude who's seen a couple of things this that and the other but you know, BLM, you know, came on board about 
you know, eight years ago in 2012, Trevon Martin, you know, made a little bit of gains in 2014 when we had some, you know, the protests in Ferguson. That was a changing moment for our people and, and I think for a younger generation to see what really is going on. And then slowly, you know, DeRay McKesson and all these folks have been building, building, building and quiet for four or five years. And finally, another thing happened and exploded and they were ready. So what I'd say about BLM is that, you know, our people, you know, and these kids, these young folks, uh, all, you know, Tamika Mallory and the sisters who have been leading, I would, by the way, I want to say the sisters who have been leading um, this movement have been, have been ready and they are taking advantage of the moment and they ain't stopping. I think, you know, you know, we can see the progression of how this all has worked over the last 10 years. And I'm proud of these kids for building and building and building since Trayvon Martin, which I think is really the beginning of this latest sort of awakening, particularly for the millennial generation. Uh, I am super, super um, enthused that, you know, they are moving the ball forward, you know, in a way that um, I think, you know, you know, my age, my generation X, you know, we had our moment, you know, we got a little older, we, we slipped a little bit and here come the millennials picking up and moving us further. And that's been the history of our people. You know, like the civil rights movement was from 1955 or the modern day civil rights movement from 1955 to 1968. But we've been fighting before that for years, decades, hundreds of years before that. And so the inflection moments that, you know, throughout our history, you know, we take advantage of to move the ball forward. And, you know, and this is another one of those moments. So, you know, I'm, I'm heartened that, you know, we are at a point where. You know, there's some allies, you know, rolling. We got to keep them honest. There's some, you know, some black folks who are, you know, turning back, you know, turning in on their people and, and doing the economic thing right. Uh, you know, the buy black movement. Uh, there are lots of things that are coming out of this that I think will now lead this next generation in the future. So what can you say? But, you know, I'm proud of these young folks. I'm proud of our people, you know, using social media, um, you know, turning into our own, you know, doing our own institutions, whether it's the podcasts or our own TV things, film, uh, Ava and all these sisters who are, you know, pushing the ball forward with, the, with, uh, with their own talents it's an amazing time for us. And, you know, at least as it relates to pushing back and moving forward, you know, and, and making folks realize that things really ain't changed all that much in terms of half the country, uh, half the country still is where it is and we got to keep pushing. Them. So that's, that's my point of view on that right now. Absolutely. T Petty. I know that uh, you cackled at home. I heard you all the way up here this way when the Christopher Columbus statue in Baltimore fell and then they threw it in the inner harbor. I'll take your thoughts on it first, T. Petty, and then I'll click it over to Idris for a second. Your thoughts on Down Goes Columbus. Listen, all these races, these statues that were erected in honor of racists and traitors to this country that white people claim to love so much, get them shits out of here. I felt joy in my soul. Uh, I don't know if I've ever told y'all this story, but my nephew... Like, if y'all ever met my sister, if y'all think I'm radical, my oldest sister is, like, ten times. And so, <laughs> when one of her kids... Your, your sister crazy. I'm, I, I met her and hung out with her. She crazy. She is crazy. But I love her. So, one of my nephews, when he was, like, in second or third grade, they were celebrating Columbus Day. And he told them that he was not allowed to celebrate because Columbus was a stealer and a rapist. He was supposed to say thief, but he was like a little kid. So he said a stealer. So that is my sentiment. Fuck Columbus. All these racist um, statues and monuments. Like, get all of them out of here, including Mount Rushmore, which is in the front 
again to our indigenous brothers and sisters. So get them all out of here by whatever means necessary. I'm on board. Let's get it done. And yes, you're welcome from Black women because as usual, we make shit happen. There's that. All right, Adresa, uh, uh, the Columbus statue uh, going in and swimming with the fishes in Baltimore. To that you say what? Let me tell you something right now. You know what happened after that? That just it, it just angers me so much is that they hired divers to go into the water, recover the statue, and then take it to an dis, uh, undisclosed location. And you think about the investment that they put into that to save. I'm for real. The investment, I'm not lying. You can look it up. They rescued that statue and took it to an undisclosed location. And you think about Baltimore and you think about the challenges the city is is facing. You got people dying from coronavirus, but you rescuing a statue of Christopher Columbus out of the harbor. Just like let that sink in for a second. And that's, I think, the thing that we're fighting. It's not just these overt symbols of kind of racism, but it's this in, intrinsic, you know, structural racism that would allow you to rescue a statue before you rescue a black body. Ooh, that's ca- crazy. Cassidy is strong. Well, I mean, digging that statue out of the Inner Harbor is akin to digging corn out of your shit in the toilet with your bare hands. I digress, wow. and that's all I'm going to say that's, about that. That's an image right there. Yeah, that's a visual. <laughs> right, bro. Didn't see, didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Hey, but check this out, though. Did you see that some fools um, up in Rochester tore down a Frederick Douglass um, statue? I did see, I did see that. that. Yeah, right so, so, you know, they, they think this, this is that, like an equivalence. They think this is a two-way street. Mm. Ain't no two-way street in this country. It's one how that works. Absolutely. Hey, you're listening to the Digital Gumbo Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, I'm joined by T. Petty and Adrice Elbow and our special guest, our first guest ever on the Digital Gumbo Podcast today, Pod Strickland, the people's point guard. We talking a little sports, we talking a little news. <laughs> How are we going to get into this? I mean, this has been the number one story since March. Uh, this coronavirus, um, I'm just going to uh, kick it and say that um, some estimates say that there may be 2 million cases of coronavirus uh, here in America, um, you know, by November. If, uh, you know, people don't sort of change their ways, wear their masks, um, continue to, you know, social distance, et cetera. Just your whole thought and what you've seen with everything that's been going on with this coronavirus madness. Well, it all starts at the top. You know, I hate to say that Cheeto 45 is at the top of anything uh, besides a pile of shit. But, um, pa, pa, strictly, you fit right in with the digital gumbo <laughs> family, man. I, I just want to say that. <laughs> Check this out. How is it that a nonpartisan virus can become a political football to the point to which half the country thinks that it's a hoax because the man that top is sitting at the top of the pile of shit is making it a political issue to the extent to which people now aren't wearing masks because they don't want to seem as if they want to be owned by the libs. I mean, t- tell, me, tell me how warped 
our half the country is. I mean, one thing I'd say, by the way, about um, the protests, you know, for Black Lives Matter and all the things that are going around the country, to a man and to a woman, most folks had masks on. And all those folks, you know, talking about, well, well, you know, the spike in the country is because of the protests. Actually, there have been studies that have found that there have not been spikes in the, in the cities that had, had uh, protests because all those folks were wearing masks and they were outside. So, you know, like, so, so all the things that we know about actually containing this disease, which is wearing a mask, doing some social distancing, you know, taking, you know, washing your hands, wearing gloves, all the things that we know, you know, do prevent, you can go about your life and, we would be much further along if people would not be so politicized by the, you know, the, the dumper in chief, you know, the guy sitting on top of the, uh, the motherfucking pile of shit. Mm-hmm. So I guess I am still the, the warpness of the moment that we are in to the extent to which we see George Floyd and Maude Arbery, Breonna Taylor, uh, little Elijah in, in, uh, in, in Augusta, Tony McDade, all these folks, the warpness that comes along with that. The workness that comes along with a Frederick Douglass uh, statue being torn down because we were doing the right thing and getting rid of racist statues, and the warpness of half the country not wearing, wanting to wear a mask because they feel as if they're being owned by people they don't agree with, not even worrying about their own families, tells you about the, how warped we are as a society because of the man on the top of the pile of shit. It's, it's almost mind-boggling. You couldn't make this up in a political novel. Could not. <laughs> Dries, I'm going to take you first, and I'll take T. Petty's thoughts. In addition to climbing uh, up the charts as far as these uh, 2 million cases are concerned by the end of the year, they're also saying that there could be up to 200,000 deaths as well with no vaccine. So, Dries, what do you think about this as we hit the the height of summer and what would normally be tourism and travel uh, season for a lot of folks this time in the summer? First of all, I want to say the pot strickling. I see why you're the people's point guard. You broke that down, brother. I, I appreciate that. And Nookie, when you talk about the the number of deaths, like over 200,000 deaths, and I think we're over, what, 3 million, you know, um, folks um, infected now with coronavirus, and it's just been growing like wildfire in lots of different states. The thing that you have to think about that I don't think people are, are realize, real, realize is that there's a couple of ways that the virus affects you. It's not just about deaths, right, like which is, is huge, right? And, you know, the more infections you get, the more, like, death, uh, that comes as a result of it. But think about all the folks who are, one, infected, and we don't know the long-term consequences mm. of this infection, right? We don't, we don't know the effect that it's going to have on long-term health. And if it's affecting people of color, you got to think about that. Like, what is it going to look like long-term? The second thing is, if you are infected, right, there's a, a, you know, a percentage of people who die from the infection, but there's also a percentage of people who get really sick from the infection. I'm talking about you spending like weeks and months in intensive care. And that has a toll not only on your body, but your entire family. Think about the stress that that puts on families. Think about the added burden on top of the financial burden that's placed on families from all that. So all this is having a cumulative effect and particularly on people of color. So it's not only just the deaths, but it's all the carnage um, that's a result of the infection. T. Petty, your thoughts as, again, um, 3 million cases right now, 134,000 deaths are projecting, I guess, up to 20 million uh, cases, if I have my numbers correct, and possibly 200,000 deaths uh, by the end of the year. This is all a consequence of caucasity. All of it. Because 
Mango Mussolini was elected because white people loved his racism. 53% of white women voted for that motherfucker. So we are now in the middle of a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic, and the United States government is being run by what is possibly the stupidest person who has ever stepped foot on the foot of have ever stepped foot on on the earth. Like literally. Not only is he stupid, he's a liar. He has no morality. And the people around him are weak. It's a wonder any of them can even stand up straight because none of them have a spine. So now we are left to suffer the consequences. So I just use the power of my Google food to look up a Rona tracker. We are now at 3.11 million confirmed cases in the United States as of today. And it's not going to do anything but get worse because they're all signaling that kids are going to have to go back to school in essentially a month, maybe five weeks. So late August, whatever that is, uh, they want people to go back to work. There are people such as my daughter who works in an industry. Um, she's an, a chef. She went back to work today. There's no vaccine. There is no nationwide mandate to wear masks. There is no adequate testing. There's no adequate contact tracing. Like we are fully fucked in the game. And so we just all have to protect ourselves because unless we happen to live in a state or a jurisdiction where the leadership is protecting us, there is no direction that makes any sense from the federal government. None. And there is none forthcoming. So even if uh, Uncle Joe wins the election in November and uh, Tangerine Twitler decides to see power as he's supposed to, we still ain't going to get shit until like, I don't know, spring of next year. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. We're fucked in the game, like for real. We are fucked. We can't, we can't even leave because no other respectable nation will have us because we're crazy ass dirty americans and who can blame them i mean think about it i mean they're playing sports over in europe in italy which in italy we all know this problems that italy had back in march and april and they're back to at least being able to have you know on the road to recovery generally speaking yes here we are, here we are spinning our wheels going yeah. around chasing our tails you know like a Absolutely. mangy mutt my friends in in europe are sending me pictures of uh, them going out for drinks on rooftops. They're enjoying their lives. And what am I doing? Staring at the same four walls that I've been staring at since early March. We actually worse off than when we were before the whole thing started in late February, early March, to be perfectly honest about it. This is some fuck shit all the way. When all those bubbas don't get their football, maybe they'll start to realize they should have, you know, sat their fat asses down someplace. They won't not realize it. Mask. They won't realize it. You know why? Caucasity. Mm-hmm. There you go. Right. Pod, you mentioned Cheeto 45. Let me give you a triple stacker as far as these uh, presidential elections is concerned. I'll take uh, your thoughts on all of these. Uh, one, Kanye West declared himself to be a candidate for president of the United States of America. I'm not going to you know, put my commentary on that. I'm going to let you speak on that. Also... Also, you know, um, we talk about a conventional bounce. So the Democrats and Republicans are set to have uh, their uh, conventions later this summer. It remains to be seen if these will be in-person conventions because they have the potential to be super spreader events. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. I'm just curious, man, as to your thoughts. Uh, we're three months inside uh, the election, mm -hmm. and the latest polls show Biden leading 50 to 41. But if we learned anything from the last election, polls lie. Your thoughts on just this whole presidential election that's coming up uh, later this fall? Well, let's start, let's start with the, uh, the conventions. I mean, there's nothing conventional about this election, right? So uh, I think the, the, what's embedded in your question is, is there going to be a bump, you know, as we have seen over the years, once a candidate comes out of their convention? Uh, I think the short answer is probably not, because, you know, part of the fun of being in conventions, part of the energy of being in conventions is, you know, the 10,000 people, you know, in one stadium or the 20,000 people in one stadium and having a, a sense of unity that is really an interpersonal thing, right, which you're just not going to have, right? But on the other hand, I think that actually probably plays to uh, Joe's advantage because, uh, quite frankly, you know, he's playing a game, I think a long game of let Trump just continue to, you know, mess everything up, screw everything up, and he can just seem like the sane, rational person in a bunker, you know, in a cool environment, can look into the camera, give us a simple message, and he can then go back and take a nap. So I think, you know, in some weird kind of way, I think that this all this may be an advantage to Joe Biden, who we all know at 77 years old, for as much as we may or may not like him, um, doesn't have the energy that you know, some of the presidential candidates were been, we've become used to. And that may have not been one of his, that may have actually hurt him if we were in normal circumstances. So I think there are some, uh, some advantages. And I think people are so fired up on not only the left side, but also independence. I think some of those same um, uh, suburban folks who were not fans of Hillary Clinton, I think they feel differently about Joe Biden. I think they're ready to vote Trump out. So I think the, the way in which things have, have shaken down, it gives a slight advantage actually to Biden because one of the things that Trump needs is the big sort of super spreader type events that allow his base to get really charged up and he won't be able to have that. So on to the extent to which some in some macabre way that there's maybe an advantage for Biden in that way. I'll just leave it, you know, for the results on November, what is it, November 5th? November 3rd, uh, yeah. November 3rd, uh, let's, so we can see, you know, whether my little theory pans out. As for Kanye, <laughs> do, do I have to answer the question? Uh, first I'm of all, does he have to your thoughts. I'm, so so <laughs> no, he's, declared this, he's declared this in July. He yep. clearly can't get on the ballots. You have to go out and hit the streets, which is not the thing to yep. do with the coronavirus, yep. to get the names uh, on the petitions to make you a candidate. So... Is this just sort of Kanye's fallacy at this point? Is he serious? Is this a warrant for 2024? Like, what is his angle? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Do we really have to talk about this ashy motherfucker seriously? Can we move the fuck on to the next topic? That knuckle dragon coon, like, I am over him and his bullshit antics. For real. He hasn't filed not nary a piece of paperwork. He just needed attention once again, him and his raggedy ass hairline. So that's what I have to say. And now I'm about to sip some more of my drink. Hey, I, I will say one thing about, about Yeezy. He applied for that um, PPP money. Of that course he did. Paycheck protection program money. He got a whole lot of money. And last time I checked, he ain't no small, small business. He a billionaire. Yes. <sighs> and he got that money. I'm about to but drink Check it out. Food. So if this happens to be real, this is the reason why he's doing it. He's colluding with Trump so that he can pull in some 
crazy fashion, and this is the way these two knuckleheads think, that you might be able to pull young voters or young voters or black voters away from Biden. Mm-hmm. That's that would be the play. So he's getting that PPA money, Idris, in order to as a play, as a reward for for siphoning off votes that are black and that are young, which is what Biden needs in order to win. So that would be the Machiavellian play that I would see if he goes through with it. Y'all heard it first here on Digital Gumbo. Broke it down. Pod Strickland, the people's point guard. I can just hear the conversation right now in the Oval Office. Hello, Kanye. This is (laughs) Cheeto45. Listen, I've helped your wife with the blacks escape from the prisons. (laughs) The black. Now I need you to pay me back. You had your whole family near, your mother-in-law, all of them, Kylie. And now I need you. Just fake one for president. You don't have to really do it. I don't care if you run or not. Get the names on the petitions. Do what you have to do. But I have to do something if I'm going to be Joe. So please just run, declare, do what you have to do. Fourth of July, it'd be great. I know that everyone will be home. They'll be listening to you. And I need you to run for president. But uh, damn, no. what happens on that. Damn, I know, right? That's just how it went down, too. That's exactly how it went down. Damn. That is probably the gist of the conversation. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, Pat Strickland, D.C. statehood. I believe this, the Senate has uh, passed uh, the bill now. They'll go to the House of Representatives, which is the biggest step that has taken place in terms of D.C.'s statehood. I'm curious as to your thoughts on that. And then T. Patty wants uh, Pat Strickland uh, talks on that. I'll get your thoughts as well as you, uh, um, you know, are in the D.C. area. So, so Pat, what do you think about D.C. statehood? Are, are we closer? All these things are happening. It's like monumental shifts. Could D.C. statehood be a real thing in 2020, 2021? Just for our listeners out there, just uh, Nookie, it's the other way around. It was the House that passed, and it's okay. probably die in the Senate. Okay. Um, but um, I, you know, it's the first time we've gotten this far. So you you got you know, like I was saying before about you know, movement slowly, you know, pushing, pushing, pushing that boulder up the hill. You, you gotta you know, congratulate um, not only Muriel Bowser and folks you know who have been you know fighting for this for fifty years now um, for getting us this far. Um, the cynical side of me says, I wonder if the House really, all the, you know, the Nancy Pelosi's and all them, whether they really would have done this if they knew that it was going to die in the Senate anyway. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily go for the okie doke. Um, on the one hand, I'll, 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 I'll give, you know, some overall props for us getting it this far. But those, by the way, who were not uh, up on the issue, D.C., District of Columbia, is not actually a state. It is only a district. We pay federal taxes, but we don't have representation in Congress for the last 50 years. D.C. Uh. folks have been trying to get a vote and get, become, number one, become a state, but also have representation in Congress. We don't have a, a voting House member. We don't have a senator. And so one of the most ironic things about the cradle of democ- quote-unquote democracy in this world is the fact that the people who live in the capital city don't actually have a vote for when they pay taxes to the federal government. So go figure. Talk about the irony, paradox, and hypocrisy of America. There it is right there. Nonetheless, we, are, we have moved a little bit further down the road. I'd be curious to see whether, though, if we do take the Senate uh, in, in the fall, uh, which is a distinct possibility. It may be that we're as close as we're ever going to be with a Democratic potentially president with, with some support in the Senate and support in the House. We could be there. So, you know, I, I'd say everybody keep your fingers crossed for all of us. 600,000 people used to be Chocolate City. We might finally get a seat at the table. Absolutely. T. Patty, your thoughts on D.C. statehood? And then, uh, Dries, I'll hear from you on that. I mean, all these taxes that we're paying, we deserve 
statehood. Like we have more people that live here than live in several states. I believe Montana is one of them. Why should they get two senators and we don't get any? No voting representation in the House. So we know that overgrown snapping turtle who oversees the Senate is not going to let this bill go anywhere. But if we can flip the Senate, then potentially D.C. can become a state and I am all on board with it. It is no longer Chocolate City. It's more like Cafe Olay. But I, <laughs> I still am hopeful uh, with uh, the elections in November that we can make some progress. Finally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dries, your thoughts on D.C. statehood, man? Man, if D.C. ever become a state, it'll be so dope. It'll be the dopest thing to ever happen. Can you imagine the, um, the song for, like, the state of D.C.? It, it had to be go-go. It'd be, that'd be like the, the state song. You know, I, I wonder what the model for like, you know, D.C. would be. You got to change that as a, as a state. You got to have all that kind of stuff. You got you to gotta build around that. So I, I think it just it should just become like a state of blackness. Well, whatever state the of blackness. state model is, it will have to include the word Mo or Joe. One of them. <laughs> state song will be Run Joe by Chuck Brown, baby. Yes. <laughs> yes. Can you, can, you, can you imagine, like, the number of, of Chuck Brown statues that you have to erect in D.C. if it become a state? Yes. <laughs> and the official state food would be mambo sauce. Y'all know that, right? Mambo sauce. Yes. I got a sense under my daughter right now. She is harassing me. That's what's up. You're listening to the Digital Gumbo Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Our special guest today is Pod Strickland, the People's Point Guard. Before we wrap it up, man, is there anything else that we missed out on or anything else you want to bring up while we got you here, man? We appreciate you blessing us with your presence. I'd like to know for this esteemed uh, panel of distinguished intellectuals of the blackness, why do black folks love fireworks so much? Can someone please answer that to me? Please. I can't answer that because I have not got any sleep for like four weeks and I'm over it. And I am irate about it. But I don't have nobody I can complain to. <laughs> I'm so, so mad. So I think it's, it has to do with something that's a little bit illegal, right? Like there's different states and different counties have different rules and whatnot. And I mean, it's just man and fire in general. But, you know, you give somebody a quarter stick of dynamite or a, a, a half a stick of dynamite and M-80. you light it and blow up. And, you know, you've seen the videos where we take the – the rocket launcher things that's supposed to be like real commercial grade fireworks and we just holding it in our hand and just shooting it in the air or shooting it at people or God forbid it hit a vehicle or something like that. But it's just man's sort of um, quest for fire, infatuation with fire. I mean, barbecue, just fire in general. That's what man does. That's what human beings do. And when you can do that and annoy your neighbors till three, four o'clock in the morning, that's what we do sometimes. That's it's what the it black is. humans though. 
Well, can man do that between the hours of like 8 p.m. and midnight? Why does man need to do that at 3 in the morning? See, it's dangerous at, you know, after midnight. So, you know, that's when it get popping. You know, when the, cl the club don't get popping till after midnight, the fireworks don't get popping till after midnight. You feel me? Dreesh, Dude. You, you, ever, you ever been to like the black club and you know, like, you know, they had a VIP section. So it's always a VIP section in every club. And then when they bring the little bottle or whatever it is that's hot at the moment, the Moet, whatever, whatever it is at that particular moment, Crystal, whatever, they put fireworks inside the bottle and shoot it off inside the building. So you have sparklers coming out the bottle so mm -hmm. everybody can see it. I think it's, it's part like showmanship. Like black people, we just like, we got showmanship. And so we just like the flash. We like that. It's just like part of our personality. But like when you think about like those fireworks inside the building, whoever light fireworks inside the building and they can burn down, you know they lighting it outside. <laughs> <laughs> Pod Strickland, the people's point guard, bro. Thank you so much for joining us, man. We feel smarter. And we're going we're gonna to circle back around with you uh, in the coming uh, months uh, ahead, see what's going on with these elections and the whole nine yards, and, and see what we uh, progress uh, as a people on so many of the issues that we talked about today, man. I thank, thank you, so you so much, so much for joining for us, me. man. Thank you, T. Petty. What up? Idris, Brother Nookie, thank you so much for having me. I can't believe I had an opportunity to job with you all. You're rising up that billboard chart with a bullet. So go ahead and keep rolling, y'all. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. You listen to the Digital Gumbo Podcast. More ahead. Stay tuned. So, y'all, y'all want to talk about this last story is uh, this man went on a blind date in uh, Australia. Um, his date kissed him. He subsequently came up with a case of herpes. Um, <laughs> he developed cold sores. He's suing, <laughs> he's suing her for $164,000. Her, oh, his, date, his date's name, which has been published in reports, Giovanna Lovelace. To that, I say, <laughs> he should have known better and should have known that an STD was a possibility. Let me break it down. Giovanna Lovelace, Linda Lovelace, Pornographic adult film star, Deep Throat. I'll take either of your thoughts on that, Giovanna, with allegedly the simplex. First of all, I'm impressed that you know Lindy Lovelace was Deep Throat. That is Playing from the Himalayas. That is a, uh, that's quite the reference. But, I mean, I believe there's some statistics out there that a whole lot of people got some form of a herpes simplex virus. I mean, that's where regular cold sores come from. So, I mean, it's a risk. You out here fucking around, kissing people. You don't know where their mouth been. You don't know who they've been with. You just don't know. So unless you're like checking people's test results before you engage in any close physical contact, I mean, these things are a possibility. Absolutely. Adrice, he said that she kissed him. Uh, I don't know where the initiation of the kissing happened, but he said he got cold sores and herpes from her. All right, this is, you just need to be watching who you kissing. Because my thing is, like, how he know it was her? Did she, like, say, like, yeah, it was me? Or, like, how, like, 
how do you know he didn't get it from somewhere else, right? I guess maybe this is the only person he's been kissing on. Nah, you but, know like, you is. need to be more careful. That's a good point. Who has he been kissing on? How did he know that it was her? Good point. Good Allegedly, point. he said he was good before, and then he went on a date, and then... Well, who else is, what else is he going to say? I've been slobbing down 69 women. He ain't going to say that. It's going to be a very interesting trial. I would uh, love to hear that. All right, so before we get out of here... T- My thing is, is, if you win, what you get? <laughs> like, what, 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 like, what you going to do about that? Like, what, you know? can't be herpes free. That's the gift that keeps yeah. on giving. So what are you going to do? And I'm, I'm pretty sure they ain't going to send her to jail for that. Suing her for $164,000. So we'll see uh, how that turns out. All right, y'all. We, we did another one. You got your final thoughts? Are we just going to go ahead and wrap this one up? I, I got a final thought. I got a question. Uh, a problem that I need help with okay. from, from you and, and T. Petty. It's actually a math problem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like the kids, they in virtual school and they doing like summer lessons and whatnot. And so my daughter, she has this notebook and she has these like problems and it's a word problem. It's like a math problem. And here's the, here's the problem. I'm, I'm going to read it out to you guys. And then I'm going to tell you like how I responded to it. All right. So it that says, no, I love right. math. Okay. Vanessa was making baggies of cookies with six cookies in each bag. If she had 25 chocolate chip cookies and 29 oatmeal cookies, how many baggies could she make? And you know, when I saw that problem like T. Patty and Nookie, I was like, first of all, I told my daughter, don't you be making no baggies. (laughs) You need to be putting in no baggies. And then I said, for damn sure, you ain't giving away no free cookies. Don't give away your cookies for free. You better believe that. Is that the was, answer nine? I, I don't know the answer. That's why I'm asking y'all. The answer is nine, sir. Okay, it's nine. 29 is 54. Six okay. cookies per bag. Nine times six is 54. Damn. All right, so nine cookies and, and uh, she can make nine baggies. Nine bags, six cookies each bag. Well, she I, she don't need to be bagging up nothing, and she ain't giving her cookies away for free. I tell you that. There you know is. what? She, your daughter, when she becomes of age, she can do whatever she wants with her cookies, sir. No, I, I, I guess that's right. I, I got to listen to her mama and her auntie. So, there correct. Your daughter will be an autonomous woman. You, as her father, do not own her. She can do whatever she want to do with her cookies. Mm-hmm. Oh, mind your black ass daddy business. Mm-hmm. This, this note, is the, the Chris Rock rule. <laughs> on that note, we're going to wrap things up. You've been listening to the Digital Gumbo Podcast. Remember, we're on Instagram. Follow us. We're trying to get our IG game up. The Digital Gumbo is our handle there. It's also our handle on Twitter. The Digital Gumbo. Follow us there as well. And again, you can always email the show. TheDigitalGumbo at gmail.com thedigitalgumbo at gmail.com and as always you can find us on Apple Podcasts wherever or wherever you uh, get your podcast from remember to subscribe download, rate, and review we got a little bit of ratings uh, uh, moves that we need to make here in the summertime but uh, again you can find us and listen to past episodes and if you turn on notifications in your Apple Podcasts or on your device you'll get a notification the minute that we drop a new podcast we want to shout out Producer E, thank you so much, bro. Big ups, Producer E. Producer E. But now I have to show it off. 
Absolutely. We're not have a show without you, bro. So we definitely appreciate you. And again, uh, producing this uh, podcast uh, in the age of the Rona and uh, us all in different places. So we want to thank you, bro. All right, y'all. We out. We out. Thanks, Pod Strickland. Pod yes, Strickland, the people's Strickland. point guard. Our first guest ever, Pod Strickland. Thanks so much for joining us, bro. We love you and we out. Peace. Bye, y'all. Peace. Is that a heaven or a hell? You know where I take it and you know I do it well When I come through, better show up respect I ain't want nothing but that motherfucking check You can catch me at your door, you can catch me in your home Oh, you're running late, just send the address to my phone Copy, paste, and go Baby, don't be playing with me I could come through and take off your shit Take off your gear, take off your gear